1: American small business employs the majority of the nation's private workforce with 56.1 million people. So what are the biggest issues facing business owners today? Well, let's ask my guest, Cindy Davis, owner-consultant of Strategic HR Partners, LLC. Her boutique HR consulting firm offers an extensive range of HR services with a commitment to align your HR programs, policies, and practices with your unique business needs and objectives. They provide as-needed support to companies with limited or no human resources staff. They also offer experienced project-based consulting, on-site resources, and temporary assistance to supplement peak workloads or staffing shortages well welcome cindy thank you sherry glad you're here because obviously my favorite subject in the world is business absolutely and so one of the biggest things anytime anybody in business is of course the hr the personnel side of business it's all wonderful when it's just you the one owner but the moment you start to bring on people your world changes it does. Absolutely. The dynamics change. Yeah. So let's break down and I want to hear some of your advice on what I consider the top three issues facing businesses today. So number one, retaining and rewarding top employees. How do we do it?
2: Well, I think you have to start with with attracting the right individuals to begin with. And once you've done that, then you need to individually, you've got to talk to each employee and understand what motivates them. Um, motivation can range from getting that plum project to learning something new to being in that meeting that meeting that you've always attended sherry that you never let somebody else attend all of a sudden you've got somebody that you're that wants to learn that piece of it and allowing them to come to the table and being a part of the process
1: absolutely well in the retention side obviously here in northern nevada One of the big concerns is we've got all these, you know, great new companies coming to town and the guy that's been out there building his organization for a decade or several, his fear of losing his already trained, his great workforce, Mm -hmm. that they're going to go because somebody else is offering a new sexy job or a better pay or whatever And so what is it you're talking to your clients about, you know, should they be concerned about that? What could they be doing to ensure that they keep those employees?
2: You know, typically I have the conversation with the CEO about their culture. When they start talking about their concern that this certain group of individuals is going to leave their employment, um, I talk to them about what is it that's currently happening today? And why did they come on board to work with you to begin with? And what type of communication are you having with them in relation to where you're heading as an organization? And what can they do to be a part of that growth mode? Um, oftentimes, organizations don't think about it until there's that um, threat from the outside. And these organizations, many times, they, we're, we're all going to have employees that are looking, whether you like it or not, whether there are good employees or there are, you know, not so stellar employees, people have a tendency to look. So the question becomes from an HR side is, what is the benefits that you're offering? Why why do I want to stay with you? What, you know, is there a vision? Is there a mission? Is there, um, do I have great benefits? What is it that makes you so unique? And moving to another position, the grass is not always greener on the other side. Um, you know, I can tell you one situation when I was in manufacturing where there was a large manufacturer that came into town, Fortune 500, and we, and they came and talked to us because they wanted to be a good community. Uh, partner with us and not take all of our employees because they knew it was going to happen. So employees started to interview with them, and I had a rapport with the employees. They started talking to me. I'm thinking about going, and it was Michelin Tire. I'm thinking about applying at Michelin Tire, or I've already applied at Michelin Tire. And so I wanted to understand what was it about Michelin Tire that made them want to go there and come to find out I could have a conversation with them about the items that were so that looked so good to them about what we had to offer. We were in a team-based environment. They were already on day shift. They were going to be starting to work night shift. There were so many aspects that once I got them talking, it was so easy to speak about what we were doing right. And also, what is it that you don't like about here? You know, and and maybe we need to make a change here or there.
1: That's awesome. That's great advice because – Definitely, this should be a conversation that the CEO, who probably is not qualified, someone in your position, an HR professional, has that 30,000-foot, not really a vested interest view that can really get that information out of these potential employees who are looking out there today. So, mm-hmm. wow, that was awesome. The second issue facing business is developing that next generation of leaders mm-hmm. and so think about it you know if i've worked for a long time you look around who's in your organization that's going to you know are how are you going to move them up if necessary or take over if necessary so how do you talk to business owners about thinking about that next set of leaders
2: you know, we really have to start, what is your current organizational structure? And wh- where do you see people that are going to be retiring? Or where are individuals that are in the topper echelon? Where where are they moving to? And who do you have to backfill those positions? And if it's not today that the person is going to leave or be promoted into another position, let's say someone's going to retire in three years, and it's a critical position in your organization, you know, we talk about individuals that are currently in the organization and what skill sets they have. And those skill sets, how do they marry up with what they need? And if there's a gap, how do we get them those skills by being on the job or additional training or, or being mentored by somebody? Because sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And I but there's individuals that want to move up, but they, they need that guidance and they need that, that push that says, you know, Sherry, I think that you're a great employee. And I, and honestly, I see some things change in the next two to five years. What, what are your interests? And so really determining what their interests are. Do they want a greater leadership role or do they want more of on the technical side? So that's always an important aspect as well, because not everyone makes a good leader.
1: My mind was going to, part of what you do is help that business owner really create that vision. Mm -hmm. I mean, where are they trying to get to? Mm -hmm. Because if they can't communicate, where am I trying to get to? What does that look like coming behind me? Then it's a little hard to develop that next level of leadership because you don't know what you need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. The third issue facing business is creating a culture that attracts the best and the brightest. And so what does that mean, the best and the brightest? Who are those people? How do we find them?
2: Culture is a word that, you know, some people really don't like to talk about because it's nebulous. It's it's a soft skill. It's it's the historical piece, and it really changes depending upon who's in your organization at the time and who the leader is. So looking for the best and brightest, once again, you've got to look to see where you want to go. And then, you know, hiring, you have to spend, in my opinion, you have to spend a considerable amount of time in the hiring realm. Um, to make sure that you're getting the best and the brightest. And sometimes that means that you've got to change your interview process, and you've got to be looking at at different ways to get information. Not just, you know, this is my gut feeling, Sherry, that that Joe's going to be a great candidate. You know, we've put in processes that um, really assess an individual's um, skill sets, whether, you know, I come from a manufacturing background. We had to hire 50 new employees, and they had not, at this location, they had not hired 50 or any employees for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And so they put together across the corporate um, group, they put together a group of us as to how would we go about figuring out who's going to fit best in the organization. So we used different profiling methods. We did different mathematic equations. We uh, looked to see from a safety perspective who was going to do the right, you know, who was going to do the right thing the first time because we don't want employees to get hurt. And, you know, after 18 months, we had one person that left.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, honestly, hiring from my gut has cost me a lot of money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. And what we're talking about is the core of your business. Owners have to realize that anytime you want to expand or grow, I mean, that's going to require people. And we do business with people, so having the right people. And I know you've spent many years, as you've said, to really figure out how do I fit that individual into my organization if I don't understand I have a culture or I'm new to hiring? I don't even know what my culture is. I mean, how do you help people really figure out... How do you get that that person that's going to fit and not cost you a fortune because you made a bad mistake?
2: Some of the things I like to do is to talk about where is that leader in relation to what is the ideal candidate? there are different ways of getting that culture identified. There's some card systems that are out there that are soft skills based. And so I can go through it with individuals and come up with the top 10 and have a much better idea as to what they're looking for in a candidate. Now we also have to understand that, you know, some people want to hire someone that's just like them, and that's not the best from a team perspective. So you know, there are certain characteristics you may be looking for, you know, if it's customer service or patient care or the safety aspect or technical skill. But really having, I like to use panel interviews. I, I like to to mix it up. I like to make sure that that there's buy-in from the team that's already there. So I come from a team-based background. And so what we did was we trained employees on how to do interviewing. And, you know, the team that w- this person was going to work with, they were a big part of that process. And so when they walked in, they already knew the people that were there. They already had buy-in. There was ownership. And leadership, of course, was part of the process as well. We can have different scenarios take place with differing results that we're looking for. So we could have leadership that's looking for a certain skill set. We could have the team looking for a certain skill set. And we could put in some of the various tools that we mentioned earlier to really get a better feel for the individual. You know, what are their communication skills? What are they, how do they feel about teamwork? They can espouse teamwork, but until you really look at an assessment, you don't know.
1: Cindy Davis, the owner. Founder of Strategic HR Partners LLC, and I want to talk about a new trend hitting business today. We'll be right back.
0: This is David Cole, author of Go From Zero to Hero on LinkedIn. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because her focus is educating business owners how to take it to the next level. Sage advice and guidance is what you get when you listen to The Sherry Hill Show.
3: Before you know it, the hot days will be here again with temperatures scorching into the 90s and even the 100s. Suntech Solar Screens block 80-90% to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. And Suntech Solar Screening protects furnishings and flooring. Call Suntech Solar Screening, 775-352-9396. Suntech Solar Screening.
0: Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, Unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should? Like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes. For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30-minute consultation today. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1 800 254 5779 or visit sageintl.com. This is Steve Mastry, Marketing Consulting at Giving Trail. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is dedicated and passionate. Thank you, Sherry.
1: I am a huge proponent of professional development in the workplace, and guess what? I'm not alone. According to Deloitte's 2016 Human Capital Trends Report, 84% of executives surveyed view learning as a very important issue. Why? Because creating a culture of learning will help you create a strong employer brand. That's because organizations with a strong learning culture have 30-50% to higher employee engagement and retention rates. And good news, employees under the age of 25 rate professional development as their number one driver of engagement, and those workers 25 to 35, it's priority number two. This segment, I want to talk about ways to encourage professional development with special guest Cindy Davis, owner of Strategic HR Partners, LLC, an accomplished HR leader with a breadth of industry experience. Cindy has worked as an HR staff member and as an external HR business consultant with thousands of individuals for over 75 companies to produce unprecedented results for more than 30 years. You can check out our website at www.strategicpartners-hr.com. So Cindy, let's talk about the importance of adopting or fostering a learning culture within a business
2: organization. It really goes to the leaders. You know, when, in, when a leader has that, uh, that vision of, and understands how employee engagement takes place um, and they can put all those pieces together, possibilities are endless. You know, I've worked in organizations I hate to admit it, but I've worked on with some that are amazing with the employee development piece. They understand, we'll take manufacturing, um, they understand that sending someone to a development conference for a week is just as important as them operating on the line for production because when they come back learning about whether it's lean manufacturing or quality control, they're going to put processes in place that make it better for you. Then on the other side, if you are running so lean staffed that you don't, you don't believe in developing individuals that, you know, the person just comes in, it's, it's all about getting the task done and being over with. There's no way that they're going to move. They're not going to be able to move the needle for the organization and make it better. You know, we talk in manufacturing, we talk a lot about quality and doing the right thing the first time. Imagine the individual over here that's learned about various techniques versus this other individual that just expects to push that widget down the line.
1: Well, and and not only that, but you know, in our first segment we talked about, you know, retaining employees. And when you have a learning environment, and again, it's not just about gee, how do you do your job better, right? I have done throughout the history of my company, Sage International, have always brought in Because I've had the pleasure of of hanging out and working with and speaking on the same platforms with some of the greatest business minds in our country. And so oftentimes I would bring in an entire learning course, like how to be better at your finances, or how do you really understand that you create your own reality, or how do you foster your imagination, things that are like unrelated to the task at hand but guess what people dig it they loved it and it became part of our culture and our brand Mm -hmm. so you see this i'm sure and i'm sure you advise companies that you work with that have no learning environment that maybe they ought to think about it
2: absolutely you know oftentimes we look at employee retention and the turnover that's taking place and what's going right and what's going wrong there. Um, individuals want... They, they spend a lot of time at the office or in the manufacturing environment. And they want... Most individuals want to have their minds stimulated. They Not only do they apply it at work, but they apply it outside of work. You know, some of the, the things in a team-based environment that we were teaching were from facilitation skills to writing policies to team building to communications. And employees would come back to me and say and, – and, and talk about – in particular, in the communications arena they would they would talk about how they use that with their spouse or their mom or their dad or their brother, and all of a sudden they learned something that they didn't know and it became so much easier for them and so learning um being able to learn something different you know you talked about the millennials and you talked about the younger folks they they are sponges in in my organization i've got um, individuals that are 29 and younger that work with me. And I find that I learn as much from them as they do from me. But, but they're sponges. They want as much information that I can give them and get them exposed to. I see them use it in what they do every day. It's it, It's amazing.
1: But don't you find it interesting that one of the first budgets that gets cut is training? I mean, it, it makes no sense to me because, again, if you're, if you, you know, you have to think long term, right? Mm-hmm. The retention of employees or the cost to replace employees, if they're out there comparing your organization with other newer organizations, right? Who have training budgets, who understand that these millennials are sponges and need outside stimuli, not just how to be a better paper puncher. Right then it's it's fascinating to me how many organizations don't do training or don't offer professional
2: development. Well, the return on investment is, is there if they're willing to look for it. You know the cost for turnover it can be up as as high as two times a person's salary and and sometimes organizations see that as a soft cost. They don't understand how much time it takes their leaders. Their um, team members, you know, all the training that takes place just to bring somebody up to, if you will, a satisfactory level. So imagine if they spent that money on training. And didn't, and had less turnover. I mean, we can see the return on investment take place when they really believe that there is a cost associated with turnover.
1: Right. Well, and not only that, is you build loyalty in with your employees because it's like, well, where else can I go that I'm going to get this other cool stuff? And that's why I say for a lot of people, you know, they try and go, okay, well, you have to go to this trade show or you get to go to this, you know, safety training because we have to. But what else could you be doing that's unique and different that enhances your employees world personally and professionally so that and they're not going to get that anywhere else? And that's that's what I talk about, the uniqueness of it. It doesn't all just have to be job related.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and it causes conversation. You know, when they are engaged in a in a training program and you know the reality is some sometimes people don't want to attend that training program. But once they realize that there's something in it for them, you know, and that goes to the, co- the company as well, what's in it for them, you know, so once you start to have, you hear the buzz around the, the water cooler, or by the Starbucks machine, or out on the floor, about what just took place, and how they've used this something that they were taught three months ago. And, you know, they, they see somebody else taking that training, they see it on YouTube. I mean, it just creates that buzz yeah you know
1: and and it's a love of learning Mm -hmm. so that was always one of the criteria of how I hired people too now I can't force people to go to training but trust me they didn't last very long right they didn't last very long in this organization and in this culture if they did not want to participate in things that you know I'm not a time waster Mm -hmm. I'm not going to pay all my employees to show up for something if there is no value and then you could always argue well Sherry you think there's value what if they don't think there's value
2: you know everybody's got a different perspective on what what brings value from a training session or program or even topic discussions you know, one of the things that I deal with is employee focus groups. And, you know, sometimes I have employees that don't want to come in and talk because they're fearful as to what's going to be discussed, just like training. You know, what is it that Sherry's looking for, for me to get out of this? And is she going to judge me? I mean, everybody's different. But once they realize that it's about them, and we're going to do something with us, with, you know, whether it's the employee focus group or it's the training that it can impact us overall. I mean, who doesn't want to come to an organization that has a good culture where people get along, that, you know, they're stimulated and they're not just, you know, punching holes in paper all day long or pushing a widget down the manufacturing line.
1: It's always been important to me, as the statistics are proving out, as we bring on a younger workforce, Mm -hmm. that company it doesn't matter what size. I mean, when most people think of training, they think of, you know, those organizations that are 50 and above because there are required trainings, Mm -hmm. certainly. But I'm talking about even if you have three people on your team, you should be doing something fun together Mm -hmm. so that you're all growing and expanding as human beings because happy human beings make happy employees.
2: And some of those employees may have ideas as to you know, what kind of trainings they'd like to, to learn on or things that other people have done. You know, Sometimes I'll use the Microsofts of the world as my benchmark because they've done something amazing and my people are talking about it. And so I want to figure out exactly that and bring it into my organization.
1: Absolutely, and I've always asked the employees... What would you like training on? It always doesn't just come from me, Mm -hmm. which is important because that shows that we're all in it together. So we've got to go to break. We come back. I'm going to pick up with Cindy Davis. And we're going to talk about, oh, those compliance challenges facing all of us as business owners today. So stick with us. We'll be right back. This is Karen Jensen, founder and president of HRC, the Human
2: Resource Connection. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is the wealth protection diva.
3: Suntech Solar Screening is proud to offer innovative products, giving you control over your environment and increasing the comfort and value to any residential or commercial building. Call SunTech Solar Screening, 775 352 9396. SunTech Solar Screening, 775 352 9396.
1: This is Sharon Lecter from Paradise Valley, Arizona. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she helped us get up and running with the Rich Dad Company. Sherry Hill is dedicated to your success. If you have comments about today's show or any questions, please email sherry at sherryhillshow.com. From medical marijuana to Obamacare, compliance concerns are ever-expanding. The field is so diverse that compliance can sometimes feel like a hydra. As soon as you've tackled one issue, three new regulations surface demanding your attention. But facing your company's compliance challenges doesn't need to be such a labor if you reach out to someone like my expert guest, Cindy Davis, owner-consultant of Strategic HR Partners, LLC. As a boutique HR consulting firm in Northern Nevada, she focuses on human resources so business owners can focus on the fundamentals of business. So, Cindy... Let's talk about some of the top compliance issues facing business owners today. The very first one I want to chat about is medical marijuana.
2: That's quite the topic. It's been, you know, the last couple years, there's been a lot of discussion around that. Many of my clients ask me, you know, they think there's an individual that's using marijuana. And what if they have a card? How do I deal with it if they present me with a card that says I'm authorized to use medical marijuana? So oftentimes, you know, it... It goes to the, the conversation about a drug-free workplace and what are the requirements of the employer? You know, I have a drug-free workplace. I have pre-employment testing. I have post-offer testing. I have uh, post-accident testing. I've got reasonable suspicion testing. I have random and how does that all work? So we have to talk a lot about: is it a safety-sensitive position the person's in, or is it a non-safety-sensitive? So safety-sensitive is a person that that drives one of your vehicles. You know, we wouldn't want them to be using marijuana and getting into an accident. So there's there's different rules depending upon position. So the question really becomes: is if they go in for a drug test? Um, is it okay or not if they have it medically prescribed? And, you know, oftentimes you've got to look at it to the same as a painkiller. If I've gone in and I've had two surgery and I have a painkiller on board because of my two surgery, the question is, am I in a safety sensitive position or not? And if the answer is I am, then I shouldn't be operating that vehicle. And, and if I'm in the safety sensitive position, then I shouldn't have medical marijuana on board. Um, you know, oftentimes we do not encourage employers to ask their employees if they, if they have been legally prescribed marijuana. Um, you wouldn't ask me if I was legally prescribed um, painkillers. So why would you ask them about marijuana? Um, now, you know, there's reasons that you might be concerned if you're out on the production floor and someone smells like marijuana. Um, Just like if they smell like alcohol, there's reasonable suspicion, things to be concerned about. And that's really when you have to have conversations about what the best steps are. But I always say, let's be proactive. Let's talk about what our stance is going to be, rather than dealing with it in the heat of the moment.
1: Or in a lawsuit.
2: Or in a lawsuit.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which is where all precedent will be set Mm -hmm. over this matter. Mm -hmm. And we know that's coming for sure. But yeah, it's interesting. Now, again, we're just talking about medical when you have a state that, you know, it's legal all the way around, which the push is to get all 50 states there. It's going to be kind of interesting because I can go out and have a cocktail at lunch if I want. So why couldn't I light up a joint and come back to work? I mean, it's it's bizarre and it's coming and it'll be interesting to see what happens.
2: And some in the creative worlds will say that, you know, that person is is producing even at a better level. And others in the non-creative world will say, I have a performance issue because they're not performing. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right.
1: So the next one, uh, top compliance issue, of course, is the Affordable Care Act, which, you know, most of us have had to deal with, but there still seems to be a lot of confusion out there as to what am I, as an employer, supposed to be doing related to the Affordable Care Act?
2: Well, in particular on that one, if you're 50 employees or more, then you've got a lot of responsibilities. And the interesting piece that I'm finding with some of the calls that I get is in 2015 is when they had to make the determination if they needed to put the appropriate type of medical care in place for 2016 for their employees. I had some clients that didn't know that seasonal employees could count toward their numbers. I have, I've had some clients that didn't know that their temporary employees that were through an agency counted toward their numbers. Um, There's so many different numbers that, so many different calculations that are associated with the Affordable Care Act to figure out if you're the 50 marker. It is mind boggling. So, you know, so smaller employers under 50 really don't have to worry about it, which is the majority of us. But those at 50 and above in 2016, it moved from 100 to 50, and that, that's become the big number for us. Well,
1: but even as a small employer, I mean, for years, one of the benefits I offered all my employees was I paid 100% of their their health insurance. And then all that changed. And then I couldn't because I couldn't write it off as the business. So then I had to give everybody a raise. But the IRS says I'm not supposed to give everybody a raise to do that. That's illegal. So we really got into this weird catch-22 because you didn't know what you could do or what you shouldn't do. All I knew is that Pretty soon, that benefit wasn't something that I could offer, and I know why the RS because they want payroll taxes, right? right. So, they, so yeah, it, it's still a little weird. And but again, I can still offer dental, I can still offer vision. There are other benefits, but so I'm sure you've had a lot of conversation around that,
2: and it's going to continue. It is, you know, the Affordable Care Act, in my opinion, is not going to go away. I know some would like it to on the political front, but, you know, it's here today. And, you know, each and every day there's something new that comes about, something new that we learn about. And, you know, we've got to put our best foot forward because the last thing any of us want to do is to deal with the government.
1: Right. The next uh, compliance is now there seems to be a lot of overtime rules affecting the white collar workers. So I think there were some changes related to how we're categorizing employees Mm -hmm. and whether they do or do not qualify for overtime.
2: Yes, they, um, and this has been going on for the, probably the last 10 years. There's been dialogue around this. So the exempt status versus a non-exempt status, um, really has to be looked at. You know, as the economy changed, we had people, we were losing positions in many organizations. And so, you know, what do our employees do? They pick up other duties. And sometimes those other duties are administrative type duties and they're not the really value add. They have to get done. So there were changes that took place um, that you had to really and truly look to see if the individuals were meeting certain exemption criteria. And if they weren't, then you had to classify them as eligible for overtime. And I had a lot of clients that weren't very happy about that. So we decided... We would look to see what the current situation was, what was being done with those employees. We did job analysis. We talked with the employees. We understood what their role was. And then we figured out, could we change their job duties so they could remain exempt or did we need, did we have no choice but to put them into the non exempt capacity going forward?
1: Ouch, because that would be painful to realize. And then again, how do you typically find out there's a complaint and now you're on the hook for a lot of back pay, mm-hmm. overtime, penalties, interest, all that good stuff? So let's also talk about the next uh, compliance, of course, marriage equality, because that uh, changed for every state as well right? And that really is more in how you have to offer benefits. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. So with the marriage equality, allowing um, same-sex couples to be married, you know, we had to offer benefits, uh, just same, you know, whether it's male and female or female and female or male and male. And so... um, you know, there's also other policies besides benefits. You know, what do you do in relation to family medical leave? It it impacted that, it impacted um, bereavement leave. People had to look at different policies that they had to figure out how does this fit? Because our environment and our culture is changing. And there's different, you know, you talk about marriage equality. We've got transgender employees, you know, we've got individuals that are domestic partners, and what's the difference between you know, someone that's a domestic partner that hasn't chosen to go get married. And so all those things have to come into play as as we go through, whether it be the benefits or the employee handbook. And where do you want to go? You know, what is the makeup of your organization? You know, are these individuals um, within your organization? Do you know? Are there needs that you need to meet going forward? Right. Because again,
1: and that would come down to the importance of an updated employee handbook, Right. (laughs) The last one I want to touch on is telecommuting. So now, you know, with people having employees all over the country, they don't have to physically show up to your headquarters. What are some of the things that we need to be aware of if I have employees in other states?
2: Well, if you have employees in other states, you've got state regulations that are different than, you know, Nevada's got a certain set. But if you've got employees in California, those rules apply. And so you've got to be cognizant of where your employee is based. Um, you know, I have clients that that want to talk about, I don't understand how I could have a virtual secretary. You know, I had someone apply with me, she used to work for me five years ago, and now she lives in Washington, and she believes that she can do my secretarial work for me from afar. And so I have that conversation with them about you know, there are different ways that you can do this. So you've got to set performance expectations, just like you have to do with any employee. And then you also have, there's technology that, that has made it so much easier. They can be on your screen in the top right hand corner of your screen and, and you can speak to them. You know, so it's, it's, um, telecommuting is, is growing. It's an it's an area that organizations um, are using because one, it doesn't cost anything from an office space perspective. Two, if you manage it correctly with the performance and expectations, and you know, you just do it a little different than you used to do it
1: right but but you do have to be aware of if they are again back to you know uh, classification are Mm -hmm. they an employee are they a 1099 independent contractor so I'm sure you have that conversation to really find out what are their duties are they doing this for anybody else or just you there's all those things that go into it
2: right (laughs) well and you've got the federal regulations about independent contractors and then you've got the state so you 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 look at nevada and you look at federal and sometimes they conflict and then if you look at washington state or oregon or texas there are different rules so you've got to look at each and every state in relation to that classification
1: i'm going to pick up and i want to talk about what i call no man's land we'll be right back
2: this is tom
0: Terramina from apollo business solutions you're listening to the sherry hill show Sherry Hill is important to me because she is passionate about your success. High level thinkers think outside the globe and they
3: listen to the Sherry Hill Show. Suntech Solar Screening offers frames and screening with colors to match any house or building. Suntech Solar Screening offers custom shaped screens for windows and doors of any size. Suntech solar screening products are certified to green technology and are EPA certified. Products are built in the USA, ensuring high-quality materials and a long lifespan that offers durability and longevity. Suntech solar screens offer privacy from the street and a clear view from inside your home. Suntech solar screens come with a 10-year warranty. Call SunTech Solar Screening 775 352 9396. SunTech Solar Screening 775 352 9396.
0: Why should you do business with Sage International Incorporated instead of filing a corporation or LLC on your own? Or worse, using one of those $99 plus state fee sites? Well, first, you actually get to talk with someone who is going to work directly with you to develop a business strategy that is tailored specifically to the business you want to start. Second, unless you know what questions to ask, how do you know if the entity you choose will actually do everything you think it should, like protect your assets and significantly reduce your taxes? For over 20 years, Sage International Incorporated has helped thousands of business owners put the proper foundation under their dream. If you want to get started on the right business track, schedule your free 30 minute consultation today. Call 1 800 254 5779. That's 1 800 254 5779 or visit sageintl.com.
2: This is Cindy Davis with Strategic HR Partners. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is a great resource for business owners. HR level thinkers are high level thinkers, and they listen to the Sherry Hill Show. Thank you, Sherry.
1: If you missed any part of today's show and would like to listen to the podcast, please visit sherryhillshow.com. We worship successful entrepreneurs and avidly seek their secrets to success. The notion that bigger and more is better has so pervaded our culture that most people assume all entrepreneurs want to capitalize on every business opportunity, grow their companies as fast as they can, and build the next Microsoft or Google. Yet growth isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. And even when growing companies do flourish, the conditions of success are often not what their owners bargain for, which may include reaching that pivotal moment when you hit 50 or more employees. My experienced guest, Cindy Davis, owner consultant of Strategic HR Partners LLC, has a boutique HR consulting firm here in Northern Nevada that offers an extensive range of HR services with a commitment to align your HR programs, policies, and practices with your unique business needs and objectives. So Cindy, Let's talk about those growing pains, right? <laughs> so, you know, as a business, you know, I'm I'm in the huge in the entrepreneurial startup world and people often say, "Oh, I want to grow my company to, you know, millions of dollars." And I always go, "Well, what does that look like? Do you really know what that looks like?" And of course, f- from the HR perspective, share some of your experiences of of working with companies and and Those that want to grow and how to do it effectively, and then those that are surprised by it.
2: (laughs) Of course. Uh, You know, and 50, that is a number that is really huge. You know, we've got got different markers for federal laws and state laws. 20 is a big number, but 50 is huge. So I've got current clients that have been trying to avoid hitting that 50 mark because with it comes a lot of compliance and a lot of change. Um, you know, the first one we can talk about is a Family Medical Leave Act. It's been around since 1993. Fortunately, you know, all the details are worked out, you know, the bugs have been, you know, the kinks have all been worked out over time. Uh, But that creates up to 12 12 weeks of unpaid leave for employees that are full time that work at least 1,250 hours a, a year for you. So once again, you know twelve weeks off now you have fifty employees, and they all potentially could take some time off, that creates more staffing needs right so and education so managers need to know what it means when someone asks for family medical leave. The employees need to be educated because not everything qualifies for family medical leave um, so putting some processes in place um, is is obviously important, and you know the the one thing that um is always amazed at me is that 50 employee number, it is not calculated the same on each and every one of the things we're going to talk about today. Hmm. It varies. Wow. So, like Obamacare requires you to count temporary employees into your numbers and part-time employees the the hours get added in, but not on the FMLA side. So, so there's there's some moving targets here as we go through it. But I have a client right now who has said to me, Cindy, it's time for me to to surpass the 50 number. And I and I said to John, I said, "John, tell me why you decided that." He said, "Well, my overtime you know, we've been managing by overtime, and it's time to move past that. Is my strategy because I want to grow my business, and we've got we've got business coming, and we've got parts to be made. So, um, so we've got the Family Medical Leave Act. We spoke earlier a little bit about the Affordable Care Act. Um, there's a lot of nuances that go on with that. There's a lot of calculations that have to be done. In relation to medical benefits for people that have employee have a, a company over fifty, there are, everything has to be looked at. You have to make sure that employees aren't paying more than nine and a half percent. Your lowest paid employee for their medical insurance, otherwise, it's not a qualified plan. Then you've got to make sure that you have a minimally qualified plan based upon government rules. I mean, there there are so many aspects that you have to look at in relation to your benefits. Um, At times, even for me, uh, it, it makes my head spin because it's like, okay, we're back to the drawing board again. Because the employer didn't think about that. They didn't think about what the requirements would be in relation to that. In addition to not only offering benefits that meet these certain criteria, now there's government reporting that you have to do. You've got 1095B forms and 1095C forms. Employers Some of them didn't realize that the onus was on them, that the insurance company wasn't going to be the one that was sending that out. And so that's another piece that requires staff or additional resources. So the more that as you start to hit the 50 number, you know, employers are starting to look at what type of technology do I need to have in place to manage these things. Um, Well, and
1: and also at that point, I mean, let's talk about, you know, you provide – staffing of Mm -hmm. some sort. So whether somebody brings you in to be that HR department or you train that position. I mean, when you're at that level, it's not just, oh, I can just fly by the seat of my pants. You need HR.
2: And at 50 employees, you may not necessarily need a full-time HR person. You know, you may need a part time person, or you may need someone like myself that can help augment your staff or to train your staff. Because once again, we go back to the employees that you have in place, and what their skill sets are and what their interests are. And you might find that you have an employee in house that would love to learn HR. I'll teach them. You know, I will help to set up that professional development, of course, with your blessing as to, you know, what are the things, what kind of certifications they're going to get, what type of experiences do they need, what type of programs do they need to have in place, and and help them through that process. But
1: just also, I mean, I had at one point 24 employees, Mm -hmm. and all the changes, you know, the I'm moving, or I'm applying for a loan, or I'm doing all these things that... If I'm a supervisor, I can't handle any of that, where an HR person, you know, especially when you move into, like you said, manufacturing, and there are certain compliance for
2: safety, OSHA, mm-hmm. you know, who's handling all that stuff? Right. Those are things that you can't just presume somebody is handling it. There are way too many aspects of it that if, if you go to the right or to the left, and let's talk about an employee that might be disgruntled. I mean, they know – the employees know safety rules. And I've I've been at a place where leadership wasn't paying attention to safety as much, and all of a sudden, knock, 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 OSHA's at your door. And then we're scrambling. So to be proactive versus reactive is really where I come from nine times out of ten. I have to be reactive at times. Uh, but, you know, employers, as they grow – they don't want to be reactive because it becomes frustrating for them.
1: Right. Well, and also, trust me, every employee knows that employee handbook inside and out, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the moment you hit that 50th, like you said, different language, different pieces and parts mm-hmm. that should be in it or not be in it, right. who's the professional that's looking
2: at that? Right. You know, and I've, I've had some clients that have pulled um, employee handbooks off, off the web, but they're not Nevada-specific. And so they get, I end up looking at handbooks That have California rules in them, and they don't have one California employee. I've had one that even said something about Georgia, and they didn't have anybody in Georgia. And so once we start to look at that, you know, it's why not start with something that's Nevada specific, if that's where you're doing business. And let's do it right. You know, let's put the handbook in place so that you can communicate because that's a tool for your new hires that are coming in and your existing employees. And something that your leaders can use as a commonality, because they don't need to be, um, remembering all the stuff in their head. You know, there's too many rules in, 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 a, in and around all these items. So it's just, it's easier and better in the long run to have something that, um, everybody can use as a reference manual. And of course, those get updated. You know, the one thing we've not talked about is our federal contractors. You know, I can be a federal contractor under 50 and not have as many rules and regs that I have to follow. But when I hit 50, I have to write an affirmative action plan. And I have to send in information to the government about the uh, mix of my employees. I mean, there's all these different things that come about. And this one client has all those characteristics. And so he was holding off. You know, he's like, I'm going to manage it this way. I'm gonna hold back on my production. I'm gonna do overtime to manage it. That was my strategic plan. But at this moment in time, you know, and then there comes staffing. You've got staff that has to to manage those various processes and then there's education that has to take place.
1: Well, And also, you know, someone who's made the decision to grow the business, mm-hmm. how do you bring on the right employees? So when you when you think of the HR, the human resources world, It, of course, is an entire division in and of itself, and to think that I have that skill or expertise or psychology background to deal with every single issue, problem, nuance, or wonderful thing that's going on with my employees is a fallacy.
2: I come from small business you know my parents were small business owners and so I watched what they did from an HR perspective and you know the more I became educated and the more I understood and then as I got into HR I would still have conversations with them about what they were doing and they didn't know you know what they don't know what they don't know and the reality is is government entities they don't accept that as being an okay answer
1: Lawsuits, disgruntled employees, OSHA showing up on your mm-hmm. front door, every kind of federal or state agency, labor board, you name it, it's all out there. It's critical for people, especially when they get to that place of wanting to really grow their business. Like like your current client, he's mm-hmm. been at 49. Now he's ready to move to 50 plus, and there's a whole bunch that he needs you to help him with so he does it
2: write the first time. Absolutely. And it takes time to put these processes in place. Organizations don't collect that information that's needed. They don't, you know. You might know if they're a male or a female, but you don't know necessarily what what race they are or ethnicity they are, or what their veteran status is or their disabled status. I mean, there's data collection that has to start happening. And what a great opportunity, though, when we're doing this for that leader to talk about what their vision is, and with with their vision comes these items. And with their vision comes, you know, additional resources to the employees in in realm of the human resources group and why they brought us on, not only because we're going to help with compliance, but, you know, 50 employees, their needs, they have needs, they have have questions.
1: A lot of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Well, Cindy, if somebody says, wow, she seems like she knows her stuff, like I know you know your stuff, where would you like people to reach you at Strategic HR Partners, LLC?
2: Well, you have two options. You can go to our website at strategicpartners-hr.com or you can give me a call at 775-722-0514 and we'd love to talk with you. You know, our first visit is always complimentary. So you can call us at 775-722-0514. I'd love to talk with you on the phone or we can meet in person to discuss what your particular needs are you know, we believe that we can put processes in place and and help you get through them.
1: Thank goodness for people like you that dig the HR side of business. And for those of us that are the creatives and the business owner, we want to do what we do best. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that is build a successful organization. But this is one of those critical foundational pieces called getting your HR done right been a great show. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And we will catch everybody next week.
0: The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. Send her a message on facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show and tune in next week. Same time, same station for the Sherry Hill Show.